So 2 Timothy chapter 4, the title of our talk is Always Be Ready. In September of 2003, Hurricane Isabel slammed into the east coast of the United States 12 years ago. Hurricane Isabel, she did major damage. Over $5.7 billion of damage was wreaked by Isabel. She was a nasty girl. 16 people died. 16. Over 6 million people, their, their homes were without power. It, it was a rough, rough storm. And, and I'll never forget, like, watching the reports and listening to what was going on. The edge of Isabel, the edge of that storm moved through Washington, D.C. And when it did, the word came to the president and the Congress that they need to move to safer location, to safer quarters. But the scene was quite different just a few blocks away at Arlington National Cemetery. Those guys were standing post and standing guard they were standing there at the tomb of the unknowns, and even the word came to these soldiers and said, you know this is going to be a tough, tough storm, and we don't know what the effects are really going to be. You guys have permission to leave. But those soldiers stood their ground. Since July 1st, 1937, every year and every day and every hour, those soldiers have stood there. When asked, why did y'all stay? The response was, that's just what a soldier does. They acknowledged the fact that there was a storm, but they didn't abandon their assignment. They didn't leave their post. They stayed through the storm. That's an interesting word. When you think about the moral decay and the erosion in our culture and the slaying of absolutes and objective truth and how so many people have abandoned their post and they've, they've given up the right to stand strong in the midst of the storms that come their way. Paul's writing to Timothy. Paul's at the end of his life. Paul is tired. He's weary. He's been beat up. Paul has shared the gospel. He's been God's spokesperson. A third, if not more, almost a half of the New Testament was penned by the apostle Paul. He has this incredible Acts 9 Damascus Road experience. He meets the risen Christ. He falls in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he begins to walk with Jesus. And he's walking and he's walking. He would even say later here in 2 Timothy 4, I've fought the fight and I've kept the faith I didn't abandon it. Therefore, there is laid up for me this treasure, this crown that the righteous King Jesus is going to give to me. Right before he dies, though, he, he's mentoring Titus. He's mentoring others. And one of his main sidekicks was a kid by the name of Timothy. Timothy is a young man now. The name Timothy means honoring God. I know that. But he writes to Timothy, and he writes some really sobering words. He's passing the baton. He's passing the torch. And this is what he says to Timothy starting in chapter 4 verse 1. I solemnly charge you, Timothy, 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and by his kingdom, I solemnly charge you to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from their truth, and they will turn to listening and receiving myths, if you will, watered-down messages. But, but you, Timothy, soldier of the king, be sober. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is a real strong word. This is a man, again, that has been anointed by God who's been beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and abused and left for dead and 39 lashes. You read 2 Corinthians 11. And Paul had the battle scars of a warrior. And he's looking at Timothy and he's saying, uh, 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 here's a word for you. But here's a word for all who will pastor. And here's a word for all who will be counted as a soldier for the kingdom. This word is not for Tim Cash only. This word is not just for Mike Monroe and Trevor Reinhold and Steve Trailer and Nick Slade, etc. This word is for you and for me. It's for all of us today. It's a sacred assignment that God's given you, Timothy. Look at it, the charge in verse 1. The charge. I solemnly charge you. Here's the portrait when you study it. It's as if Timothy is raising his right hand and he's standing before God and he's saying, God, I received this solemn charge. I swear to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I, I, I swear my vow to you is to be who you've called me to be. I, I, I take it. And here's the implication, if you will, of it. God's entrusting you with a sacred treasure. He, he, he's putting the gospel and the Holy Spirit, he's putting himself in earth clay pots. You, Esposito, you, he's putting God inside of you. He's putting the treasure from on high inside of a person like you. Like, like you, I solemnly charge you, I solemnly charge the cross of Loganville this Sunday morning. I charge you, raise your hand and repeat after me. I'll tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and I will not denounce it, and I will not renounce it, and I will not back down from it. Timothy, you're, you're, you're accountable to God. You've got to be purposeful with this assignment. You're, you've got to be responsible. You're going to stand before God one day, and you're going to give an account for how you've represented him and how you've represented the heart of the, the Father. You, you, you realize that. Those that have been entrusted to your care that you've ministered to, you're going to stand before God one day, just you, because he's charged you. He's given you an assignment. He's given you a sacred Treasure, the holy manifestation of himself in these 66 canonized books, I charge you. And then he moves into these commands. And there's five powerful words in these commands here. Don't 
miss them. The words are preach and be ready and reprove and rebuke and exhort. Preach and be ready and reprove and rebuke and exhort. The word preach is an interesting word. The word in the Greek is the word kerusa. Kerusa, it's an interesting word. It means to preach. It means to share publicly. It means to proclaim. But the word that is used there is the word herald, H-E-R-A-L-D. I want you to herald the word. Now, he uses the word logos here. In regards to the word, there's two primary words in the New Testament for the word word. It's the word logos or it's the word rhema. What he's talking about here is not just the sayings of God, but preach that death, burial, and resurrection. Preach the incarnation of Christ. Preach that Jesus is deity and trinity. Preach the word. Herald the word. Now, herald. Herald is an interesting term when you study it. A herald in that day was a person that hung out with the king. He listened to the heartbeat of the king. He spent a lot of time with the king. And the king would look at the herald, his carouse, and this carouse was to go down into the public square and caruso. He was to announce and speak on behalf of the king. That's all he was to do. They didn't have radio and TV and internet and texting and that day the people would anticipate hearing from the caruso as he would come and speak the caruso the message of the king that's all he would do and so he would spend time and the king would say here's what i want you to to do and the people were flooded into the market and here comes the caruso and he's got a message from the king and he's going to share with us. He's going to proclaim. And that's the emphasis. Timothy, Timothy, I want you to herald. I want you to get out in the public arenas. And I want you to, to go into the highways and hedges. And I want you to go to where people are living and people are struggling and people are suffering. And I want you to go caruse the word. When a herald would go out, he didn't change the message. He didn't debate with the message. He didn't argue with the message. He didn't trivialize or minimize the message. He didn't make the message just easy to hear. His job was just to share the message. I want you to go share the message. There's a message to proclaim for all, for God so loved the world, all. It's not his will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance here's that message go tell them that God wrapped himself in a robe of flesh the word became flesh and has dwelt among us we've beheld his glory glory is the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth go 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 tell them that he lived 33 perfect years he was the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world he walked the via della rosa he was crucified on the cross he shed his blood Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness and remission of sin. He was crucified between two crooks. Go tell them. Go preach and herald the word. Go go, go tell them that when they placed him in the grave, he's not on a cross. That's not the crucifix. They they took him off the cross. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. But, But tell them on the third day. 
He raised from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he lives to make intercession for all the saints. Go, go, go tell them and preach, Harold, the gospel. Come on. Your jobs, not to pat them on the back, not to make them feel good. Your, your, your job's not to make sure that the sinner doesn't feel offended. Sanctify Christ as the Lord in your heart. Always be ready to preach the word. Do it with great reverence and do it with incredible gentleness. Every pastor that stands throughout this nation and throughout this world that claims to be representing the king, this is his resource. These 66 canonized books, not chapter or book 67, the book of opinions, and 68, the book of speculation. These 66 is what God's entrusted to us. That, that, that's what he's given us. I want you to open up my word. Because all scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable. And grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Just be my kerus. And just go Caruso as you go into the world. You go, man, this is heavy. <laughs> this is raw. This is sobering. We're, we're, we're supposed to do that? How will they know, Romans 10 says, unless someone tells them, unless someone preaches, unless someone heralds, unless someone is a Kerus. That's what he says. Here, 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 here's an illustration for you. Let's say that we go to the doctor and we're sitting there waiting to see the doctor. You've been having chest pains. Something's just not right. You haven't been able to sleep. You haven't rested very well. You, you, you've been very disoriented. Do you want to go see a doctor that will just tell you what you want to hear and someone that will just pat you on the back and tell you you're okay? No, I went the other day. I'm over 50. I've got to have this procedure done. I'll leave it there. But it includes a garden hose and a flashlight, whatever that means. But, but, but I went to this doctor the other day. The girl that I'm seeing is my doctor. I went and got blood work done a few Weeks ago, but as soon as I walked in and fill out the paperwork and give them my life, I mean my card, uh, I stand on these scales. All right, you weigh this. I don't want her to look and say, well, you realize for your body type, you're about 75 pounds overweight, but that's no big deal. You, you, you'll be all right. We've got this little pill you can take occasionally. You're going to be okay. I don't want her to tell me that. I, I, I'm going in to get some stuff checked out. If I'm not feeling right, if I'm not sleeping, if I'm short of breath, something's not right. I don't want her to look at me and say, well, what is your diet? Well, I eat about two pounds of lard every day, fried chicken, fried french fries, fried okra. I don't want her to look and say, that, that, that's nothing to worry about. She's going to look and say, what kind of exercise are you getting right now? Well, three days ago, I walked to the mailbox I don't want her to minimize or trivialize or reduce down the fact you're fat, you're out of shape, you're not doing anything, and you eat like a pig. Come on. 
Now, she doesn't necessarily have to say it exactly that way, but all of a sudden I'm standing there. What am I wanting? Something's not right. I'm wanting the truth. I'm wanting the reality. I'm wanting something that's just straight up. Something's not right. Because once they take blood and they start to send this blood out for lab results, if she checks this blood and I got deficiencies and problems going on in my blood, and and if she knows I've got stuff going on but withholds that information and refuses to share that information, she can be held liable for what they call in the medical world of malpractice. And, 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 and you violate that a few times and you can have your license revoked and you can be kicked off the map in regards to practicing. When, it, when a person stands on the podium and, and when they refuse to represent the heart of the king and tell the message the king has shared... And when they choose to be a people pleaser and trivialize and minimize the world, the word of God, they can be held for spiritual malpractice. I'm going to stand before God one day. I'm going to give an account on whether I represented him accurately and properly or not. I don't want to be accused of spiritual malpractice. Now listen to what he says, Timothy. I solemnly charge you. In the presence of God and of Christ, who's going to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Caruso, the word, the Logos. Caruso, the Logos. Preach the incarnation and the reality of Jesus. Then he uses this be ready. Be ready, which means never lose your sense of urgency. Never get stale and stagnant. Never think that you're okay. And this is a great word picture here. When he uses the word be ready in season and out of season, it is the portrait again of a soldier who's enlisted, who's prepared for battle, but who is always on the alert of a possible attack. Come on. There is so many attacks going on inside the church now. I'm talking about globally and even nationally within the church. You, you need to be prepared. You need to study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. You've got to be prepared. Your preparation determines your destination. Your preparation determines what you do in life. But I want you to live with a sense of urgency. Be ready wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever time of day Be ready on airplanes, at your workplace, in the mall, at the gas pump. Be be ready. Be ready. When you're applauded, when you're booed, when you're told that you're the best and when you're criticized and slandered, be ready. When, when, When you feel like it and when you don't, be ready. Be ready. Don't be harsh. Be loving, but don't compromise. Don't negotiate. Keep, keep, keep standing strong in this weak world where you shine as stars in the heavens. Be ready. Then he uses this word here, reprove. Reprove means to assist others in realizing the truth. 
It means to come alongside others and help them in realizing what truth is. Don't excuse sin. Don't justify wickedness. The road to healing must go through the valley of disgust and sickness. Back to John 5, do you really want to get well? I'm telling you, if you are ever talking to a person, please, and in some type of counseling, whether it's a friendship or whatever, and you're trying to give them advice and give them words of direction, stop, just stop. Before you go anywhere, just look and go, I got one question. Do you want to get well, and do you want to be well before God on God's terms, yes or no? Because a lot of people are coming for solutions and strategies and something that would help them push their agenda. You, you only have to ask one question. Do you really want to get well? What are you saying there? I'm saying if I'm going to help people realize the truth, they've got to go through the valley of disgust. Because in the valley of disgust, godly sorrow can take place. Conviction starts to take place, which means I am being attacked by the Holy Spirit saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Your father loves you. Your daddy loves you. You're better than that. And when conviction happens, it leads to the ability to confess and repent and to move toward health. You've got to come alongside and help others realize the truth. Don't, don't minimize them. Don't pat them on the back and tell them that living in adultery is okay. Don't, don't tell them their porn addiction is no problem. Don't, don't tell them that them getting hammered about every other day is fine. Don't, 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 don't do, don't do that. He's going to pastor in Ephesus. There was a lot of alcohol issues and adultery issues in that culture. Read it. I want you to come alongside, Timothy, and you're going to have to reprove. Now, you're a young man. And don't let them look down on your youthfulness. Don't let them hold that against you, but rather in faith and speech and love and conduct, show, you, show yourself as an example. But Timothy, I want you to be ready to preach Carusa, the word in season and out of season. And, and I want you to be ready to reprove. And I also want you to be able to rebuke, rebuke, which means to declare the consequences of living in rebellion. Which means, that to tell them that there's consequences when they refuse to repent. Tell them not to negotiate any longer. Tell them what will happen if they continue to live in sin. Tell them their sin will find them out. Much like David, you're going to get exposed eventually. I, I love this. Life has a way of squeezing us. Life has a way of putting the vice grips on us. And when you're out ministering, one of the hard things or one of the hard assignments to do is to be able to rebuke in love. Love, write this down, is doing the most redemptive thing for the other person. Love is doing that which is most redemptive for the other person. So when you reprove and you tell them, little, little, stop it. There's consequences for your rebellion. I've already tried to reprove you, but I've got to rebuke now. But, but it's all for their benefit. It's for their good. You're not trying to, to win the fight. You want to see their heart soften so that they will respond to the gospel. Makes sense. Your sin will be uncovered. Your sin will be exposed. Luke 12, 2, great verse. There is nothing covered up that will not be revealed. 
There is nothing that is hidden that will not be known. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. God sees what we do, and God knows how jacked up my thinking can be at times. God, God knows. Now, now, the Word of God is alive, and it's quick, and it's sharp and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to penetrate. Everything is exposed to him. You, you can lie to your parents, and you can try to deceive other people, but I'm going to stand before this holy, loving, graceful, righteous God one day. God knows if I'm cheating. God knows if I'm embezzling. God knows if I'm lying. God knows if I'm robbing him. God knows if I'm cheating on my wife or cheating on my kids. God knows. Tell them, Timothy, that there's consequences for continued rebellion. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Turned around to Nick after the first service. I'm like, how'd it go? He goes, you ain't lying, brother. That is heavy. It's heavy. But who is this word for? Who's this word for? This word's for me and you. It's for everybody in this room. It's for everyone who claims to be a follower. Then he uses the word exhort. And exhort means to offer hope and encouragement. There is a place you can run to. The righteous fall down and they run back to the safe refuge of the holy God. He's our hiding place. He's our shelter. He's a graceful God. His grace, you can't do anything to earn it. His forgiveness is extended. Hope is available. We rejoice in our troubles and our tribulations because tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. What what is the world starving for? Hope. I've lost all hope. I've heard people say that. I know where hope is to be found. It's found in a person that brings peace, and his name is Yeshua Shalom, the God of all. But he says, exhort, now, 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 with great patience and with instruction. The word great patience means slow to boil. Now, I'm telling you, yesterday, my man Jesse comes down in the basement, hey, we need you upstairs. I'm still working on living out slow to boil. I am because what I realize when I'm quick to boil and quick to snap and short fuse that I can't bring about any instruction that anybody listens to. And you look at it and you go, all right, I just jacked that up. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your life. All right, did you overreact? What's overreacting? Any reaction that does not allow The peace of Christ to come through is an overreaction. I'm tired of rationalizing and justifying my stupidity. Aren't you? But he says, exhort, bring hope, bring encouragement, bring comfort, but be slow to boil. And some of us in here have got to work on that. Chuck Swindoll said it this way. Be bold in proclaiming. Be urgent in your approach. Uncompromising in your convictions 
patient in your style and intelligent in understanding and delivery. I want you to stand strong in a weak world. I, I want you to know that there's a lot of people around you caving. The reality of conflict is seen in verse 3 and 4. Why, why Timothy? Why am I solemnly charging you? Why am I telling you to be ready and to preach that word? Because, circle that word, because, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn aside the myths. You've got to ask the question, who is they? Now, there's a contrast in this passage. When you read the scripture, you've got to look at contrast and comparisons when you study the word. I solemnly charge you, you, but they. He comes back in verse 5 and says, but you, who is they? They are people that have walked into this church. They are those people who refuse to build a life on right doctrine. They can be some of us sitting in here today. They represent the group that negotiated and compromised. They are the ones who wanted their ears tickled, which means don't take a hard stand on any of these fundamental truths here. You see, we live in a society today where there's a lot of preachers and a lot of them you'll see on TV being interviewed that will not take a stand when it comes to sin, disobedience, holiness, repentance, confession. Well, do you believe the Muslim is going to be with heaven, be in heaven with God? I've heard people say, well, that's up to God. Now, God's already laid it out. But when people refuse to take a stand and you go, oh, oh that's not, uh, who am I to judge? Do you believe this certain lifestyle is of God? No. I believe God specifically addresses that certain lifestyle. And then all of a sudden I've had people say, well, I believe you were born that way. Well, if you were born that way, then God made you that way and God cannot hold you accountable for being disobedient if he made you that way ultimately it's God's fault. So you're only walking in the design of whatever that lifestyle is. And so when, when, when he writes, he goes, you got to realize they are going to drift. They are going to fall away. They want to have their ears tickled. But you, but, but, but you, but you. Know, know who I am. Know what I say. Don't go in there with a bunch of spiritual little Q-tips and just try to make everybody feel good. Can I tell you something? I've been saved for 30 years. When I get on my face, when I get into the word, when I'm worshiping God, do you realize that I am confronted all the time? 
I'm going through this yesterday on my elliptical trying to get a good sweat in, and I'm going over my notes. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I go upstairs, I blow a gasket, come back, and where am I at in my notes? And he must be slow to boil. <laughs> I'm like, I failed that assignment. And I continued. And I didn't hear God going, you're terrible. You'll never measure up. I can't use anybody like you. You ought to go do something else. I heard God go, I'm confident that I've started a good work in you. You stubborn idiot, but I'm going to keep working on you. I love you. I'm not done with you. Now repent and confess and deal with it. The time will come. Doctrine is essential for direction. Next week, our entire word is going to be the fundamental core doctrines of the cross Loganville. Never done that in the four and a half years, but I feel so overwhelmingly compelled to lay it out on a Sunday morning. I want it on audio. I want it on video. And I want you to have a copy of the notes where you go, that's where they're landing. Listen to what he says. But, but you, Timothy, but, but you, you're Timothy today. You're the one that is called to honor God. That's your name. Honoring God. Yes, as I honor God. Caruso. Stay in it. But you, be sober in all things. Here's the challenge to stay strong. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Be sober Stay steady. Stay self-control. Don't compete with the ear ticklers. Don't, don't do it. Competition, don't, don't, don't compete over there. That's not your call. You've hung out with the king. You know what the king had to say. You've been listening to the king. Just tell him what the king says in love. Tell him the king loves them. Tell him the king wants them to go out in Caruso in their workplace. Tell them to stay self-controlled. Tell them to stay with it. Endure hardship. Don't quit. Don't fear affliction. Don't run from adversity. It's a gift from God. Stay with it. Don't run from adversity. Don't allow affliction to bother you. Don't you throw the towel in. Evangelize which means stay focused on the good news. Stay centered on the message. Don't get so caught up in these peripheral arguments that they become the mainstream of what you talk about. Two of the biggest things that people will fight over in this culture, and I think it is very important to know the arguments and to know Scripture and to know what they're about, but the two biggest arguments in our culture in evangelical circles is one, if you come from a Baptist Presbyterian Five-point Calvinistic background, it's going to be predestination and election. People will fight that issue, debate that issue. I've seen churches split over. And the other one, if you come more from an Arminian standpoint, is going to be the power of the Holy Spirit on whether tongues is evident of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's different, brother, we've seen it over the years. These two things, and he goes, stay focused. 
on the gospel. Don't, don't, don't burn all your fuel in these peripheral arguments. Back to 2 Corinthians 11, 3. I'm afraid just as the serpent tempted Eve with his craftiness. I'm afraid that your minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. And again, I write that word P-A-R. Stay purposeful, stay accountable, stay responsible. Every day realizing you've been given a, a purpose for a living, you're, you're, you're going to stand before this great and holy king one day, be responsible with the assignment, how to stand strong in a weak world. This is a heavy word, but this word, I think, needs to be incorporated into all of our lives where we get up and go, before God. I swear to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I take the oath to walk in obedience today. By your grace and by your love, I can walk another day. I realize that nothing good dwells within my flesh. I know that. I can't save me. I can't save anybody else. My job even in preaching the word is not to get people to believe it. That's not my job. I, I, I can't do that. But I want to walk holy before you and I want to be a Caruso as I go into the public, as I walk into my home, as I hang out wherever. Come on. Is that not good? So I, my prayer is that all of us would take this warning and this word, this heed, uh, heed it in our hearts today and say, I'm in. I'm going to be that Caruso. Make sense? Amen. Amen.